Welcome to Seeking God's Grace podcast, a place to share stories about life, faith and passion. My name is Grace and I am a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth, or as some prefer to say, I'm a Catholic nun. I hope that this podcast will help you and me to find God in everyday life experiences and to understand God and yourself a little bit better. Let's talk and seek God together. Good morning, good evening, hello everyone. I have a great pleasure to chat this morning because it is morning where I am and it is morning in Brisbane right now with Bishop Timothy Norton, or as people call him, Bishop Tim. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Nice to be here. I have in the front of me a little biography which I found on the Archdiocese of Brisbane website. And it reads, Bishop Tim Norton, SVD, and we will go back to those three letters, what they mean, is an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Brisbane and was ordained in St. Stephen's Cathedral on the 22nd February 2022. He was born in Sydney in 1958 and has a brother and a younger sister. Bishop Norton graduated from Maris Brothers Eastwood before commencing tertiary studies for a Bachelor of Applied Science in Physiotherapy at Cumberland College of Health Sciences, Sydney. That's another very interesting thread. Although much of his seminary formation, which uh, was conducted in Mexico, He spent time as a part-time physiotherapist in Pentridge Prison, Melbourne. His first parish posting were to Mexico, where he ministered for five years in 1991-1996. Postgraduate study in spiritual direction followed in Melbourne in 1997. That prefaced terms serving as the order's prefect for theology students and novice and postulant director, alternately based in Melbourne or Sydney between 1998 and 2004. He then served as a leader of the SVD, again, we will explain the three letters, Australian province, which includes also New Zealand and Thailand. And that was for the period of seven years. From 2014 until 2021, He was offering ministry in Italy, in particular working full-time with consecrated women and men in the promotion of interculturality, something for which the SVDs, again, let's explain these words, order are renewed worldwide, including in Australia. Bishop Norton was pleased to note ministry to multicultural communities in an important way His order is already involved in the Brisbane Archdiocese. Both the multicultural communities and places where he serves are the places of his best work. Bishop Norton is hopeful he will bring to ministry, and he already does for over a year in Brisbane, and I'm quoting you, an intense interest in culture and the mission of God in the world whatever shape or form that may take. 
That is a beautiful biography, but I stopped three times and I promise that we will explain few parts of it. So, Bishop Tim, what is SVD? So, Grace, SVD is uh, a Latin term, Societas Verbum Divinum. So, the Society of the Divine Word in English. <clears throat> and so that's the name of the religious order that I belong to that has about 6,000 members uh, in about 75 countries around the world. That's the SVD. That's amazing. And I always say at this point that I have a very, very deep connection with SVDs and also with the sisters simply by the fact that my godfather is one of the priests in Poland, SVDs. He is now in the great age of 89. Wow. And he told me uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago when I was visiting him in Poland, when he said, I never thought I will be the oldest in that building, in the seminary in Pieniężno. He said, I never thought. <laughs> and it happened. So yes. yeah, SVD is Divine World Missionary, a great order. At, at some stage of my life, I knew more about SVDs and SSPS, which are the women uh, sisters, yes. sisters working um, uh, in the same area of uh, mission. So I knew more about that than on my uh, about my mother fundress of my <laughs> order. When I was reading the biography, I also stopped when we talked about physiotherapy. Why physiotherapy? What did it do in your life? Why did you move at some stages in your life into physiotherapy? I suppose my general character is towards helping people. Uh, my mother was a social worker and my father worked in the children's court for most of his working life. Um, and so I seemed fairly reasonable for me to be someone who would help people. And uh, the idea of actually helping people, healing people with my hands was quite attractive. I met uh, a friend of my mother's who was a physiotherapist. I went to her practice and uh, I watched her on a number of occasions and that cemented my idea that that's what I'd like to do. So, yes, I then went to um, college and, as you said, I, I studied a, a Bachelor of Applied Science and worked as a physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. So... I think that it is very interesting. I don't know too many bishops that were physiotherapists before they became bishops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that makes you unique, but it actually tells a lot about you as a person. Mm -hmm. When we met a couple of years ago in Nemi in Italy, that was also yes. part of your um, uh, bio here, you showed me the gym, you were talking about how you continue running. What is the importance? I would believe there is an importance of a, a physical movement in your life. What place does it play in your life? Um, one part of it is physical movement, Grace. The other part is just the sense of um, our human bodies, who we are in the world physically. Uh, I think that's a very important part of all of us uh, across the world, that we are physical beings. And uh, so the, the, the working of the human body has always interested me uh, from a um, scientific point of view, an intellectual point of view, but also from a personal point of view, because at one stage uh, I became very sick in Mexico with an undiagnosed condition called Addison's disease. Uh, and 
when it's undiagnosed, it can be fatal. So fortunately, I was diagnosed, but I was extremely unwell. Uh, and then getting better, uh, I guess, really cemented the idea in my mind that I, I needed to keep um, just to remain active for myself. So for my physical health, but also my mental health, those sorts of things are, are really important for me. And in a busy life, I think we need to take care of our bodies. And it's something we often forget. I know a lot of friends of mine with children um, tend to put their own needs, their own physical needs to one side as they as they care for family and they, they attend to work, uh, where in fact, I think those sorts of things need to be one of the priorities along with others in, in our lives. So I, I'm, I'm quite a proponent of uh, our well-being, our emotional, spiritual and physical well-being, hence the gym that you saw in NAMI where I was working with my confreres. We set up a small gym <clears throat> because a lot of my brothers, uh, my confreres the same, they probably haven't taken good care of themselves physically. They've tried to attend to themselves emotionally and spiritually but it possibly let the physical go. And uh, I think for men, I guess for women too, but I can only speak from a men's, man's point of view, uh, that, it, that it is an important part of who we are. And I think we need to not let it go and attempt to keep attending to it. That's beautifully said. And actually it's challenging too, because I think especially in the spiritual world, we tend not to attend to our bodies. Indeed. We tend uh, to just put it aside, as you said, and I have to finish this part of the conversation with the very direct question. Does Bishop Tim continue running? Uh, I continue doing exercise, yeah. It's a, it's a general part of, as I said, for my mental health, my spiritual health and my physical health, these things are very important. So I do, even at my age, I continue to do fairly regular exercise, yes. Well, thank you so much for uh, reassuring us that we have to continue doing that. And you said at your age, your age is good. So uh, don't <laughs> think about anything uh, but that you are a young person still. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the last part and substantial part of your bio was talking about passion. Passion for culture and passion for interculturality mm. can you just explain a little bit of a background what do you mean by that and why is it important for you well grace it's it's a little ironic that i'm now uh living and working in a diocese or an archdiocese in fact the archdiocese of brisbane <clears throat> back when uh, i was a physiotherapist and thinking of being a priest i was 25 when i joined the seminary um, I, I did go to some come and see weekends with the diocese, um, at the Archdiocese of Sydney, in fact. And uh, uh, I, but I also knew the SVD because I had been to India when I was 21 with an SVD priest, and that was my first journey overseas. Um, and it made a great impact on me. <clears throat> and it became fairly clear to me in my discernment that I. I wasn't so interested in in being with people and ministering with people who look like me, who think like me. I, because there are so few Australian-born SVDs, I'm the I'm the youngest Australian-born SVD by ten years, uh, still. So I've I've lived and worked with both in Australia and in other countries. Um, lived closely with and worked closely with people who are very different to me ethnically and culturally, 
And uh, whilst that's been very challenging, I've always found that overall that's been very enriching. And I think it's in so many ways the future of the world. So here am I in an archdiocese after all that, um, after having worked in different parts of the world. Um, but interestingly now, Brisbane, I did live in the archdiocese back, I did my novitiate here back in 1985, a long time ago. And occasionally when I came out of the novitiate into the city, I saw a city that was fairly well populated with people who look like me, Anglo-Australians or Euro-Australians. But that has changed dramatically now. And the great, um, the great number of people in our parishes, for example, are people who are either migrants or children of migrants who have uh, come to Australia with the Catholic tradition from their particular part of the world. So I'm, I'm now and the priest uh, in the Archdiocese. Well, I think we've passed the halfway point where more than half of the active priests in the Archdiocese were born somewhere else in the world. So, so for this, for me, it's been sort of the milieu in which I've been developing as um, as a religious all, all those years. Uh, and I, I found the relationship so rich and ended up being asked to, to work with other religious orders um, in that uh, mission and, and life of people who are um, uh, from different cult cultures and, and trying to work together in the mission of God. Uh, so, I've, yeah, I've been now working with lots of different religious orders uh, and now working with different dioceses here in Australia uh, who are similarly to the Archdiocese of Brisbane have membership of um, priests from many parts of the world and what that might mean and how we might um, understand and live the mission of God better uh, as we try and understand and live with one another um, more fully. I heard you speaking about interculturality many times and I was very fortunate that at the time when I was provincial you were uh, very generous with your time to come to our sisters and also have those conversations. Very yes, important. I remember that. Very important for our sisters, especially here in Australia. Among 23 women that we are in the province, we have five different nationalities. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not only multicultural, but it is a challenge of being okay. intercultural. Intercultural, yes. And what does it mean if someone have not heard the distinguishing difference between multicultural and intercultural? How would you sum it up? Well, I think most of us would be familiar with the term multicultural because certainly in Australia that's become a large part of who we are. Um, our Indigenous sisters and brothers who were first here then had um, migrants in the 1700s and 1800s, principally from Europe. Um, but that's now changed dramatically to um, people coming to Australia from the African continent, from various parts of Asia, from Latin America um, and from North America, um, much less our our close neighbours like Papua New Guinea and Indonesia and uh, Timor-Leste and New Zealand. So we're actually quite used now to, to meeting people, being with people who are different to us, whoever we are. Um, but the intercultural part of that is how do we actually connect and how do we relate, how do we move forward together um, in any organisation, but particularly in church with the mission of the church paramount, how do we come together for the mission of the church. And that can be in parish life, it can be living in communities as you do with people who are, are quite diverse. So that there are all sorts of uh, elements to this, I guess. And that's the part, the dynamic part that really interests me. How do we focus and work towards the mission of God together, even though we come from such diverse backgrounds? That is very beautiful summary. I like every bit of it. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking, 
Okay, so we are talking about being intercultural in the church. But before we started to record this chat, you mentioned that today in the evening on your agenda, it's the meeting of the ecumenical uh, committee. So how do you see interculturality outside of the church or um, maybe building bridges with others? How does this fit? Uh, Grace, it's that um, <clears throat> that area of life where we, we deal with difference and, and we're dealing with difference a lot and trying to come to terms with difference. So um, the idea of uh, the, the commission that I'm a part of here in the Archdiocese is the Commission for Ecumenical and Interreligious Relations. Uh, so we have some particular um, focus with uh, different Christian denominations uh, we also have a focus with um, different religious traditions in the world. That's the interreligious. And this whole dealing with difference, particularly um, post-Vatican II, uh, is an important part of who we are as church <clears throat> as we reach out and try and learn more about others, more about God present in the world in people who are different to us. So it's part of that dealing and living with difference where, where God exists in the difference. Thank you for that. I think I like this description, the word difference. Difference because each one of us, it's, you know, wonderful, uniquely created Indeed. Indeed. by God. We are different. And quite often people uh, concentrate on the word difference as a point of disagreement. But the difference can actually bring some richness. Yes. Thank you for prompting my thinking into this direction. Well, I would say, in a sense, for sure for you, from being a divine world missionary all over the world almost, yes, yes. <laughs> and to become the bishop also brought some difference. Surely. How different is your life now? <laughs> and how would you name it? Um, to some degree, when I was asked to be a, a bishop here in Brisbane, um, I was living outside of Rome, and so I was called um, to into uh, the Vatican, into the uh, dicastery, which is really the dicastery for bishops, effectively. Um, and uh, when I was asked to be this, my big question for the cardinal who was interviewing me, <clears throat> who unfortunately was really unable to respond in a very helpful way, uh, but my big question in my mind and heart was I, I've been 40 years um, developing my own identity as an SVD and, and how can I not be an SVD? And I said this to the Cardinal and he said, well, he said I shouldn't worry about that, but I actually was very worried about that. Um, we can't just change our spots um, like that, even out of obedience when we're asked in church and we, we will respond usually with a yes uh, because of our our understanding of obedience. Um, so I, I took uh, his response to mean that I would learn along the way, and I have. I, I am still an SVD. I have to be, so I will sign my name as uh, Bishop Tim Norton, SVD. I will always maintain that. Uh, and so that was part of the change of identity. The other part that is a big change, Grace, is that um, when I was living and working uh, in Italy, we're running the renewal courses with my brothers and sisters from around the world, missionaries from different parts of the world. It was a fairly local space I was working in with an international group of people. 
but my, the interface I had was with my brothers and sisters in those courses. Uh, and so in a sense, it was a relatively private interface, although I was beginning to do some work with religious orders uh, around interculturality, as you have mentioned, as another arm um, to mission. But coming to this role, and I had a sense that it would be this, it, it's the constant public um, role. And so I'm constantly with large groups of people. I'm regularly being asked to, to, to say something or to act in certain ways. Uh, and well, there's some great joy in that, but it, uh, <laughs> it's exhausting for someone who's a little more introverted than extroverted. So uh, that's one of the biggest differences for me. So I've always slept well, but now I'm sleeping particularly well, Grace, when I do get home to bed <laughs> because I'm, I, I do find it really tiring being um, up in front of, uh, in schools and in parishes and in various groups and committees and commissions that I'm I'm a part of and various gatherings, uh, conferences, all of those sorts of things, which are all very valuable uh, forms of ministry, but they just get a bit exhausting <laughs> trying to stand in front of people all the time. Nevertheless, that's what's called for. And uh, as a missionary, you respond uh, to, we respond to uh, what we're asked to do as best we can. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned this public role, that's so true, and I can only imagine how exhausting at times, or draining it yeah, simply might that's be, right, I that's think right, that, yes. that's yeah. probably the way yeah. to describe it, but I wanted to ask you, from your perspective of almost now 18 months of being yes. on the job as a bishop, yeah. is there something what brought you particularly joy to your mm. service? Um, Grace, the religious order I belong to, the, uh, the Society of the Divine Word, has a lot of educational facilities, uh, both primary, secondary and tertiary educational facilities across the various continents where we work. Um, but I've worked principally in Australia, Mexico and Italy, and the SVD in those three countries do not have any educational institutions. So I, I haven't really been a part of educational institutions at all. Um, but in this role, I'm regularly visiting schools, um, either walking in and out of classrooms, um, talking with kids, playing with little kids, uh, or, or being asked to um, celebrate uh, graduation masses for older um, young women and men um, in, in, as they finalise their, their, secondary, um, their secondary schooling. And that's been something that's been really new. And uh, I, I found that uh, really life-giving and meeting some of the, uh, many of the teachers, uh, both at administrative levels, but also face-to-face -face teachers. And I'm, I'm so impressed with the work that teachers do in, in what I think today is a very, in Australia, is, is a complex space to, to be active in mission. It, it really is. Um, and so that, that gives me quite a lot of satisfaction to be, in a sense, a part of that to be interacting with young people of all ages um, and to be listening to the teachers and, and some of the um, joys and challenges that, that they face. So I suppose that's one of the areas that has has really, um, it brings me quite a deal of life and, and joy. Thank you. I um, mentioned this to you before and I would like to uh, tell a short story to those who are listening to us. 
actually it was you uh, over 10 years ago who encouraged me to be part of the Catholic Religious Australia in yep. the capacity of engagement if, uh, in Australian Mission Network. Yes. Back then, my lovely godfather SVD said, oh yes, missionary spirit in this woman is awakened. I think it always was there anyway, but I felt at the time when you were this encouraging presence in my life, that you don't only have positivity, but also a spirit of very realistic view of the church. Mm. And that is sometimes hard to uh, hold in your heart, to see all the realities, not to get into negativity, mm. not to get into the uh, difficult mm. side. But yet, here is my question. What is still hurting you or what is your worry about the church? What is close to your heart that you will say, I wish it could be fixed? I suppose now that I'm working in something that's more hierarchical, Grace, uh, so we, we speak regularly through the plenary council now through the synodal process of being available to listen to people. Um, but we still don't really have the structures in place whereby we can effectively listen to people. So that's that's something which I wonder if we're ever going to really to really get because unless we listen as we want to, then we can't really change some of the structures as they need to be changed, as they're calling to be changed. The spirit is really working with us to change. That's that's one thing that I'd really like us to. Uh, it, it does concern me. I, I'd like us to be more proactive in that area for sure. And that being said, I'm still very optimistic, even in a secular country like Australia. Um, I, I, people talk about um, reducing numbers of church. Well, I keep walking into spaces with, which are absolutely vibrant, particularly some of our um, multicultural parishes and some of our cultural communities, our cultural Catholic communities. They are extremely vibrant places. So I, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about all of this. And I... I I don't worry too much at all. It's more that that hierarchical side uh, where I think we're, we're a little slow to move and we're, we're, we're slow to be able to put ourselves in spaces to listen to people really. A couple of months ago, when we together participated in the mission conference in Sydney, I heard you saying that you see your role as a bishop to be there for your fellow brothers to be a support, to be a listening ear. So yes. I think that what I hear through your sharing right now, it's also that you are the one who wants to role model listening in order, you know, creating this collective culture of listening among your fellow bishop and among people in the church as well. And yes. for this, I would say thank you and thank God that you said yes to being a bishop. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Now, another little question uh, I have for you is the fact that there are people in the Catholic Church, outside of the Catholic Church, in Christianity, in whole, that are finding it difficult to find themselves to be part of the Church. Is there any recipe? Does the recipe for being a Catholic, being a Christian, does the recipe exist? How to find your own place in this ever-changing world? Well, I suppose, Grace, in the majority world, young people are still participating in large numbers, and uh, I've certainly been a part of that myself and also heard that from my confreres and sisters who are working in different parts of the world. So 
So the participation of youth generally in church is very strong. Um, here in Australia, it's not so strong, and that is certainly a concern for our Catholic leaders, so teachers and um, pastors, that, that is that is a, a deep concern. Um, so in, in more a local space, um, younger people are not particularly prone to be joining anything, really. So why would they be joining church? I don't think they're really joining political parties and sports clubs are all struggling with membership of a, of a, of a newer generation of people. So a newer generation of people are really not joiners. Um, nevertheless, interestingly, after COVID, um, across the Archdiocese in the RCIA programs, the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, um, there's been a bump in numbers, and largely those are numbers of young people who um, not so much people coming back to church, but people who are interested in uh, church and belief in church who are coming with really genuine stories of good Catholic people they've come to know who have um, been examples for them and really uh, move them to uh, come and look at joining um, the Catholic Church. Uh, the Alpha program has large numbers of people across the Archdiocese um, who are you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Um, and these are people who, in a sense, are new to church. So these are all great signs and hope. Most of those people are younger people. So I'm, I'm again, remain quite hopeful in all of this. Thank you for that. And again, I am going to quote you from the mission conference in May when I was most uh, touched by the fact that you describe how the church is evolving and how the church is blooming in one part of the world, while we here in Australia sometimes feel a little bit down and say, oh, look, this is the end. Actually, it's not. And wow. we are one wow. Catholic, which is, means universal church. So yeah. we are yeah. everywhere. And that's, that was, again, the, the word of hope and, the, and mm. a little bit of a, uh, you know, light in the tunnel that I yeah. have to say uh, I discover um, through your sharing. This has been a fantastic conversation. I always like talking to you anyway, and I hope <laughs> that, <laughs> that people who are listening to this podcast will appreciate your time and your sharing. You are the Bishop with Human Face, valuing balance of the body and soul, hoping for the listening church, staying positive, being passionate about interculturality, seeing the light in the tunnel in the church in Australia and beyond. Any final words from you? Oh, Christ, that's a, that's a very kind and generous um, description of me. Uh, basically, I, I'm, I'm just a person who remains hopeful uh, in church, and this 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 uh, action of the spirit of the mission of God is is all around us, and uh, I find it in so many ways, in so many places, with so many people. So I, I remain, I continue to remain very hopeful and very touched by the fact that the spirit is so much among us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for um, well spending this gap of the window of time with us and those who will listen to Seeking God's Grace. And I hope that you will have a great day. Thank you, Grace. I wish the same to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will tune in again. Please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave your review. 
feel welcome to visit my website, seekinggodsgrace.com and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again. Every blessing to you and your loved ones. Talk again soon.